0: The Take On Duchenne podcast is dedicated to educating and raising awareness of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, or DMD, a rare and progressive genetic disease affecting muscle function. We bring scientific leaders in the field of DMD together to discuss and share knowledge, insights, and perspectives to support the continuous education and awareness of this disease. The series is brought to you by PTC Therapeutics, a global biopharmaceutical company focused on improving patients' lives who are affected by rare diseases like DMD through innovative therapies, earlier diagnosis, and improved standard of care. The information presented in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not medical advice. This should not replace or substitute speaking with a healthcare professional. If you are a patient or caregiver, consult your care team with any questions or concerns regarding medical conditions. Hello, my name is Dr. Audrey Powell. I am a Senior Medical Science Liaison at PTC Therapeutics and the host for this podcast episode and educational series welcome to our second episode if you have missed our first episode we discussed the clinical diagnostic and medical landscape in dmd as well as interventional approaches in the management of dmd the improvements in care and therapeutic strategies in the last decade have contributed to better patient outcomes and prolonged patient survival thankfully today more and more boys are transitioning into adulthood and planning for their futures, which also brings new challenges and opportunities. So today, we'd like to discuss the topic of transition to adulthood, and we have invited Dr. Lauren Ellman. She's an adult neurologist at the University of Pennsylvania for a conversation on this topic. Welcome, Dr. Ellman. Thank you for joining us today please provide a brief overview of your background and your clinical experience in the area of DMD.
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you very much for having me to speak on a topic that's near and dear to my heart, the transition of pediatric patients to adult care. I am, in fact, an adult neuromuscular neurologist, and my career is focused on treating adults with neuromuscular disease, very specifically adults with inherited disorders of muscular dystrophy, as well as inherited disorders of the motor nerve. Um, I take care of quite a few people, young men, I should say, with Duchenne muscular dystrophy who have made the transition from pediatric care to adulthood. At my institution, we have a transition program specifically for helping young adults make the move from pediatric care to adult care. I am very, very passionate about this topic because early on in my career, I noticed that there was a lot of disenfranchisement of young adults. Um, when they graduated from pediatric care, some of them were just sort of kicked to the curb as the uh, pediatric hospitals were no longer able to take care of them and really had nowhere to go. It turns out that where I work, there's a pediatric hospital right across the street and our neuromuscular divisions are um, quite uh, linked to each other. So we decided to make this very active transition program and it's been a project of mine for about the last 15 years now. So it's something that I'm I'm very deeply involved with.
0: Excellent, excellent. Please tell us a little bit more about the transition to adulthood about this period.
1: So um, it generally, the actual physical transition takes place between the ages of 18 and 21 is what we say in an ideal world. But in reality, we know that the transition to adult care may take place anywhere in the early 20s really. Uh, The truth of the matter is that young adults are not often eager to leave their uh, pediatricians, who they've been with for most of their lives, and who they and their families often have an extremely close relationship with. So we are accustomed to seeing uh, young men with Duchenne anywhere from the age of 18 up to the age of 25 making that transition. It is... The transition uh, specifically for young men with Duchenne occurs at a very active time in the disease, not at an active time in the neuromuscular portion of the disease. For anyone who's taking care of young men with Duchenne will, will understand what I'm talking about, but at an active medical time of the disease. So specifically what I mean to say, is that by the age of 18, almost all young men with Duchenne will be completely uh, wheelchair bound and dependent for all activities of daily living. But they will be at that point starting to have very serious manifestations of pulmonary disease and cardiac disease. And if not clinically serious, then at least um, those portions of their disease are becoming more medically important and needing of attention. So it is a medically active time in the disease when they make their transition. And that's an important thing that I think we need to recognize. Um, It's also the case that at that time of life, there are a lot of uh, social transitions that are taking place. For the young men who transition around the age of 18, that's the time of entrance into college, which may or may not be a most important transition. Um, but for also for the ones who are slightly older at around the age of 22, that can be just when they finish college. So, my experience with young men with Duchenne is that this is a time when they finish college that there is an enormous amount of psychosocial support needed because. Young men with Duchenne have been raised and told that they should live a normal, full life and they should have the same opportunities and advantages as all of their same age peers. And they do this by going through life the same way that their classmates do. So they go to regular school, uh, they often go to college, but the problems really become insurmountable. At the end of college, when their same age peers are getting jobs or going to graduate school, and these young men with Duchenne really are finding it incredibly difficult to do those things. And the world starts to become a little bit smaller around them as their disease progresses. So transition comes at an extremely difficult time in the disease when the medical comorbidities are increasing and the psychosocial comorbidities are increasing. And that's something that we need to be extremely sensitive to. Yes.
0: Yes. What are some of the unmet needs or challenges of patients during this transition?
1: I think, to be fair, the biggest unmet needs really uh, surround the psychosocial aspects. We physicians understand, I think, um, a lot about the cardiac and pulmonary needs. Although I will say, as an aside, that there may not be enough um, adult pulmonary specialists in um, specializing in neuromuscular pulmonary disease, and cardiologists who specialize in the type of cardiac disease that our Duchenne patients have. And as care improves and potentially disease-modifying agents come on board, we're going to have a larger and larger population, hopefully, making the transition to adult care and living longer. So we're going to need to educate our pulmonary and cardiology peers and hopefully expand the population of cardiologists and pulmonologists who are interested and skilled at caring for these patients. But I think where there is almost sort of no one available. And the biggest crater that I'm aware of is in the psychosocial support for these young men who really just enter a world that is um, really uncharted territory. And they have an extremely difficult time finding work, um, finding ways to fill their time. Uh, Many of them continue to play video games, but they're really... um, That's really beneath their capabilities. And um, they just can't uh, find ways to use their degrees. And it's really a very sad thing to see. And the psychosocial support is just not out there. Now, I will say that, interestingly enough, the pandemic may have helped that a little bit because now there are ways to work remotely that didn't exist in the past. And that may, oddly enough, help some of the people in these circumstances who have mobility issues and perhaps it's an opportunity to be taken advantage of. But to date, I've had a lot of dissatisfaction among my young men with Duchenne who have high-level degrees that they're not able to put use to.
0: What is the psychosocial support like at your institution?
1: Well, I am blessed to have a very gifted social worker and she makes a huge effort to connect uh, the young men in our um in our clinic with other young men and maybe with other um, young adults who may have neuromuscular disorders, but um, normal cognition, and that's a good thing, but it's really not enough so she's she's very good at that, but I will tell you mental health care is pretty hard to come by these days um, and I think it's not available enough and you know, I would say that it's inadequate,
0: yes, yes. Thank you, Dr. Elman. So transition to adulthood readiness and planning is crucial for patients to navigate adult life. Tell us a little more about transition planning and considerations within the plan.
1: Yeah, so that's a really important point. Transition planning has to start absurdly early. Um, It used to be said that transition planning should start around the age of 15. Then they moved it back to around the age of 12. And recently I've heard that maybe it should start as early as age eight. I must say, I don't really think it's reasonable to start transition planning at the age of eight because... An eight year old or an eight year old's parents can't possibly imagine what their child will be like at the age of 18. But I do think that it's important, you know, early on, probably by the age of 12, to start introducing to people as they become young adults that at some point they're going to become somewhat independent. They're going to need to take some responsibility for their own health care and their parents are also going to have to accept the fact that the exam rooms may not be decorated in primary colors. So the point is that these things do need to happen early and often if only to get the uh, population sort of ready for this because familiarity breeds liking. And you can't just spring upon a person at the age of 16 or 17 that they need to transition soon because if you do, it's going to be a failure. So the most important thing to know is that it has to start early. Um, In terms of transition planning, there are worksheets available. And these worksheets include things like asking the individual if they know what medications they take, do they know what kind of insurance they have, and things like that. And while I think these worksheets and tools are important, I don't necessarily think that that's what determines if if a young person is ready to transition or not. I think there are other issues that need to come into play to determine exactly the right time for a person to transition. Number one I just mentioned that the time of transition for an individual with Duchenne can be fraught with um, medical comorbidities, psychosocial comorbidities. And if an individual is in crisis, either with a medical comorbidity or with a psychosocial comorbidity, even if a transition was planned, it's probably not the right time to go through with it if there's a true crisis happening. So you have to be very sensitive to these things and there are no hard and fast rules. In addition, transition should occur when the patient and the family consents to it, Um, because if they don't and if they're forced into it, it's probably going to be a failed transition. The other important thing to remember about transition is that it should be a two-way street. So there should be no sort of threat of cutting off communication from the pediatric doctor, because that can be very frightening. And it should be quite clear that there will be open communication between the adult physician and the pediatric physician. And I think those kinds of things can go a long way into making a transition successful. Finally, um, it's super important that whatever disease modifying or symptomatic treatments the individual was on at the pediatric facility are available at the adult facility and that that will be seamless as well.
0: Thank you. Will you describe the standard of care recommendations for multidisciplinary care?
1: Sure. So, uh, the interesting thing is that the type of multidisciplinary care that is most appropriate in the pediatric world is not necessarily the same as what would be most appropriate in the adult world. So, certainly when boys are young and they're mobile, Um, and their joints are still loose. There are certain things that are super important to keep them mobile and loose, but there comes a time when we all recognize that the neuromuscular portion of the disease has done its worst and that focusing on physical therapy and measuring contractures and things like that is not the best use of time. And that's evident, not only to the physician, but to the patient as well. And they really don't want to come to clinic as a 24-year-old and have their contractures measured and be lectured about stretching and that sort of thing. What they do need, however, is they need good bone health through endocrine care. They need good cardiac health through cardiology appointments. They need good pulmonary toilet through pulmonology care um, and other general medical care. So, multidisciplinary care in the adult clinic looks very different than it does in the pediatric clinic. In the adult clinic, the Duchenne patient may only need to see the neurologist once a year, but they may need to see the cardiologist four times a year and the pulmonologist three times a year. So, it becomes very individualized. And that is something that needs to be recognized for the adult with Duchenne. Thank you. From your
0: experience, what are some of the strategies to help individuals accomplish a successful transition into adulthood?
1: So a successful transition, again, requires that you don't transition during a time of crisis. It requires a two-way street and a lot of communication between the pre-transition doctor and the post-transition doctor. It requires open communication with the uh, adult doctor and an understanding of the medical condition. A lot of these Duchenne uh, patients and their families are extremely knowledgeable about their condition. And if they encounter an adult neurologist who clearly doesn't know anything about the condition, they're going to be extraordinarily turned off and go running back to their pediatrician. So there needs to be some education of the you know, of the neurologists who are taking over these young men. And as I said before, we're going to have a lot more of these. So we need to educate a few more neurologists about how to care for these individuals.
0: Will you discuss the move from family-centered care to patient-centered care?
1: Sure. So one of the things that I try to do when I encounter a new patient is, I always call them Mr. So-and-so, not by their first name, um, because they're adults now, and I make it very clear that they are adults and will be treated as adults in my office. Um, It's important that at some point during the visit, I excuse the parents from the room to make sure that I visit with the patient individually as a grown-up so that we can talk about any things that he doesn't want to discuss in front of his parents, Um, I address the patient and the patient only in the room unless there's a specific question that uh, needs to be asked of the parent. And I make it very clear that all decisions will be made by the patient and not by the parent. So I think that uh, it has a lot to do with how the room is set up, where the patient is sitting relative to where the physician is sitting um, and how the physician addresses the patient and who makes the decisions.
0: True. You mentioned earlier about ensuring that the um, therapies that the young men are on are able to be continued when moving from pediatrics to the adult care providers? How do you ensure that the therapies are continued in your experience?
1: Well, when we have a patient transitioning, we try to know in advance a little bit about the patient. So, and that specifically includes any disease-modifying agents that they're on, um, a little bit about their insurance and how that's covered. Some of these medications require prior authorization, and that's not something that you want to find out about when the patient is out of medication because that uh, could cause a lapse in medication. So we try to find those things out in advance. Um, you know, a patient doesn't call and get an appointment the next day. So there is some time to look at a schedule and figure these things out so that we have some lead time to uh, make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed.
0: Thank you. Overall, are there any takeaway tips, advice, or resources you would like to share?
1: Well, I think what's really important is that when a young adult transitions to adult care, that they feel comfortable In their new surroundings, that they feel heard, that they feel treated like an adult, Um, that there's a new team of doctors, including the neurologist and whatever other doctors they may need, whether it's a cardiologist, pulmonologist, endocrinologist, urologist, that all of those doctors are uh, ready, able, and aware of that patient and um, excited to take care of them, and that the transitioned patient feels like they have a new team who is going to care about them as much as their pediatric team did. Um, I think when that happens, that um, you're set up for a successful transition and that these young men will continue to come back and be cared for. I think that the danger exists when of a failed transition when a patient shows up and they don't feel like there's a plan for them. So what I strive to do is make sure that at the first visit, the individual understands that there's a whole team of adult doctors who's ready, willing, and able to take care of them and welcome them into the adult world. Another really important thing to know about transitions and the transition process is that it is best and only accomplished as a team effort. So I mentioned already that I'm lucky enough to work with a really extraordinary social worker who helps me Uh, with this process and which couldn't be accomplished without her. We also work with the teams at the pediatric hospitals who send us their patients. And that communication between the pediatric and adult hospital is absolutely necessary to make these transitions successful. So it's important to know that this is a team effort and teams on both sides of the equation have to be committed to this to make it a successful endeavor.
0: Dr. Elman, thank you for your time today. It was a great pleasure speaking with you about transition of care in DMD. Your insights and experience will certainly help support clinicians and patients towards a successful transition. Finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode. We hope you have found it relevant and informative. We will continue the conversation on transition to adulthood in our next episode. Make sure you join us. Want more episodes of the Take On Duchenne podcast? Subscribe to our show at ptcbio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.